Hello everyone. Thanks for listening to Come Follow Me Insights with Taylor and Tyler presented by Scripture Central. We use a lot of visuals in our videos, so if you want to see the visuals, we invite you to find us on YouTube. Thanks for listening and enjoy. I'm Taylor. And I'm Lisa. This is Scripture Central's Come Follow Me Insights. Today, a special Easter episode. And thank you for being with us today and it's a delight to have you here, Lisa. We love spending time talking about the gospel and sharing scriptures. We want to begin with this question. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you felt like you needed healing or that there was chaos or disorder in your life? One way to look at Easter is as a time of healing, of bringing order where there had been disorder or peace where there had been chaos. So as we spend some time today talking about the glorious resurrection and the Easter of Jesus's healing divine love for our souls and our bodies, we hope that you can see in your own life where Jesus has and can heal you. There are two paintings that have to do with the crucifixion and the resurrection, um, the times before and after that I wanted to talk about for just a moment because they show that um, Christ is the focal point of strength and of healing. One of those is a painting by Leonardo da Vinci called The Last Supper. I'm sure you all have seen it. And it depicts the very moment where um, the, the disciples, the apostles ask, whether they are the person, they are the ones who will um, betray the Lord. So let me read a few verses to you from Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 21. And as they did eat, he, Christ, said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? We capture the apostles at that very moment. And if you look at the 12 of them, they are feeling an, a torrent of emotions. They are chaotic. The only one who is serene and peaceful and strong in that painting is the Lord there in the center. Um, but they ask, Lord, is it I? And so it, this painting reminds us of the importance of humility and of self-reflection. It was actually painted to be in the dining room of a monastery so the monks could feel as if they sat with the apostles and with the Lord and could be reminded that they also needed to ask, Lord, is it I? What sins do I need to remove from my life? How can I be more devoted unto you? Um, and Christ stands there steady, ready, only a few hours from Gethsemane. The second painting is <clears throat> Caravaggio's Supper at Emmaus. And I would say that this asks the opposite question. It asks, Lord, is it thee? That doesn't come from the scriptures about this moment. But, but what happens is, so <clears throat> these two disciples had walked with um, Christ on the road to Emmaus, from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and, um, and they had begged of him to come and have supper with them. And what's interesting about the story is they are walking with a stranger. So they're walking and the stranger joins them. Now we know it's Jesus, but they don't know. 
And there is this moment, this, this reveal, where suddenly they see this is the Savior. And this painting that we're talking about captures this moment, almost like a snapshot of the very moment of surprise and excitement. Truly, this is Jesus Christ. Let me read a few verses that talk about that moment. I'm in Luke chapter 24, verses 30 through 32. And it came to pass as he, Christ, sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them. And their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? And the painting captures this moment of surprise. One of the disciples has thrown his arms wide. The other half stands as if to jump out of his seat. And once again, the Savior is there in the center, the, the paradigm of strength and peace, um, reminding us that we too want to recognize him. Lord, is it thee? How can we better recognize him in our lives? This is a really powerful pairing. Two important questions that we can think about at Easter or at any time in our lives. Lord, is it I? Where can I be more aligned with thee? And then, Lord, is it thee? Where have I seen thee in my life, but I may have missed it? Very, very powerful. In fact, the, the resurrection story, when we read them carefully in the scriptures, there is a lot of surprise of people discovering that, Lord, it is thee, and being not knowing in advance that this was what was going to happen. Now, we have the benefit of hindsight. We know how the resurrection story turns out, but for all the disciples, they were a little surprised. Similarly, in our lives, God often does surprising or shocking things that at first, in the moment, we may not recognize how he is healing us or bringing order where there is disorder or bringing peace where there's chaos. And in the moment, we may not get it. We may feel ourselves shocked or worried. But when we ask the question, Lord, is it thee? Where can I see thy hand steadying my life? I think we're more likely to be like these disciples, like, oh my gosh, Jesus is everywhere in my life bringing peace and healing and order out of chaos. I really love this word Easter because I think it's a great reminder of this very concept that every day as we think about the rising sun, we can remember that it is a symbol that all of us will be resurrected. All of us can have God's stability and order and peace where there's chaos. So the word Easter comes from the word east. And every morning in the east, the sun rises every single morning. So whatever you're experiencing in life, you might personally be feeling chaos or disorder or that you need healing. And maybe that's not going to be solved immediately. But every morning, God gives you a reminder that just as sure as the sun rises and just as sure as the sun himself rose, that Jesus was resurrected, you too will rise from your chaotic, fallen circumstances and be at peace and see that, Lord, it is thee that has been with me in my life. So we have this other word, resurrection. And the word re in Latin means again. 
and sur means on or above, and this one means right. So literally it means to stand up, to stand upright again. That's what resurrection is. We've been dead, we've been raised back to life. In some future day, all of us will be raised from death. But we all need the symbol of resurrection on a regular basis. We need healing. There's chaos in our lives. And we want to be able to stand upright again instead of feeling like we're in this fallen nature. We're just in the dust of suffering and struggling. So Christians now have Sunday as their Sabbath. Originally it was Saturday, but now it is seen as Sunday. Now originally, if we go back to the creation story, God spends this time over six days creating peace, harmony, and order where there had been disorder. He separates, there's been all this chaos, and he separates opposites, puts everything in its place, and he brings peace. And the Sabbath day is a day for God to sit in his divine temple on the throne. And that is a symbol that the world is no longer at war. It's at peace. There's healing and harmony. So one of the invitations for the Sabbath day is to remember God's divine rest. That's what he offers us. Now, it's interesting, the Last Supper that uh, Lisa just shared with us, that, that painting about the Last Supper, that Last Supper was a Passover meal. As we remember, the Israelites were stuck in the chaos and the disorder of their fallen situation in bondage in Egypt. That symbolizes all of us. And only God could save them and extract them. And he could solve the disorder. He could heal them and bring them to his symbolic temple at Mount Sinai, where there there was going to be divine rest and healing. So now when we celebrate Easter Sabbath, and every Sabbath where we partake of the sacrament, which is a version of the Passover, we remember God's creation, that he places order where there's been chaos, he heals, and that everything is at divine rest. And this is all created because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he has taken us out of our death and lifted us up into divine rest. So we hope you can feel this theme and see in your life where God has given you healing and divine rest. And that every Sabbath, every Easter, or every sunrise can be a reminder to you that healing through Jesus Christ is possible. So you may have noticed a pattern that when I come and join Taylor or Taylor and Tyler, I often love to be able to speak of women in the scriptures. And I, I must say that the four Gospels have more um, activity, more um, interaction with women than probably any other place in the scriptures. And so uh, I love that and I'm here. And I wanted to talk about some of my thoughts about having women in the, in, in involved with the resurrection the crucifixion as well. We know that women were at the cross trying in any way that they could to strengthen him, although, you know, in the end he had to endure this on his own, but they were there showing him their love, their devotion. Um, so in the story of the resurrection, women have the privilege of interacting with angels. We, we see both in Luke 24 and in Matthew 28 that they are told he is not here he has risen. Um, and 
they were there when they get this special moment with the angels, they're there to serve. I think that reminds us when we are serving, we have blessings opened up unto us, as well as the blessings that we hopefully are giving to those that we serve. They were there acting out of love. And I think that reminds us that when we act out of love, God is there. God, his angels, his spirit is there in our life. Um, so let's focus on Mary Magdalene. The different gospels have slight variations to the story, but we know that in, in every single one, Mary Magdalene is there. Um, and she <clears throat> she's there at the tomb on Sunday morning. We know that she's already seen, if we're in John 20, we, we find that she has already seen that the tomb is empty. She's gone and reported it to the apostles. Peter and John have run to the tomb. Peter's burst into it. John has entered and they've seen that. They've seen the linens, but no Christ. They end up returning to their home, but Mary seems to have remained because if we open John chapter 20 and we look at verse 11, but Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and seeth two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid, uh, where they have laid him. Um, so she then, as we know, interacts with, the risen Lord himself. And in verse 14, when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. And he saith unto her, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, <clears throat> saith unto him, sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him and I will take him away. I think it's, I think it's beautiful that she mistakes the Lord of us all, someone she has been completely devoted to, who has followed for years as one of his um, most devoted disciples. And she sees him and mistakes the Lord for a lone, lowly gardener. Um, so then, of course, there is, so, so it's kind of like she is having a Lord, she doesn't even yet ask, Lord, is it thee? If we continue, in verse 16, Jesus saith unto her, Mary, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say master. Hmm. So that is her, Lord, it is the moment. She recognizes him. Um, and what an amazing and wonderful and awe-inducing moment it must have been. This is an important theme, again, where in our lives, when we are dealing with a need for healing, or we have brokenness, we have to first ask, Lord, is it I? What can I do to solve this problem? But not just on our own, Lord, is it thee? Where we can see that God is in the details. He often is gardening in our lives, making things beautiful and fruitful, and sometimes we miss it. And if we seek, we will, like Mary, see. We will see the Lord gardening in our lives 
bringing bounty where perhaps we thought we saw destruction or chaos or disorder. Um, I want to share one of my favorite general conference talks um, about Easter. It's Elder Worthland, Joseph B. Worthland, and his talk entitled, Sunday Will Come. L let me read some of his words. Um, <clears throat> he recognizes that there will be that moment when the resurrected Lord is there, when he and foretells that all of us will one day be resurrected. So Elder Worthland says, on that Friday, the savior of mankind was humiliated and bruised, abused and reviled. It was Friday, it was a Friday filled with devastating, consuming sorrow that gnawed at the souls of those who loved and honored the Son of God. I think that of all the days since the beginning of the world's, this world's history, that Friday was the darkest. Each of us will have our own Fridays, those days when the universe itself seems shattered and the shards of our world lie littered about us in pieces. We all will experience those broken times when it seems we can never be put together again. We will all have our Fridays. I believe that all of us have had Fridays. Um, and we've had those moments when we feel completely broken, when we are in need of the Savior's healing. So Elder Worthland continues, but the doom of that day did not endure. The despair, de despair did not linger because on Sunday, the resurrected Lord burst the bonds of death. He ascended from the grave and appeared gloriously triumphant as the savior of all mankind. And in an instant, the eyes that had been filled with overflowing tears dried. But I testify to you, in the name of the one who conquered death, Sunday will come. In the darkest of our sorrow, Sunday will come. No matter our desperation, no matter our grief, Sunday will come. In this life or the next, Sunday will come. This is a really important reminder, Lisa. We, we all suffer. We actually all signed up in the pre-mortal life wanting to experience joy. We were willing to sign up to have suffering, that we would have opposition, that we would have to sometimes experience the bitter so we would know how to prize the sweet. And what is the total or complete or ultimate sweetness? It is the love of Jesus Christ. It's that fruit that is talked about in 1 Nephi at the tree of life, where after getting through those dark moments, holding on to the rod, we fall down the tree and partake of that sweet fruit. And I don't know anybody who desires or glories in suffering. It's hard. We've all had it. And yet those moments when we endure become moments of personal resurrection, where we are uplifted again and see more fully the sweetness of God's love and peace. One of my Fridays was when I lost my hearing. I grew up with a mild hearing loss, but it worsened. And then in my mid-40s, just nosedived. Um, and I had already had one cochlear implant put in. Um, and then a few years later, the second ear lost its hearing. Um, in fact, I had traveled to India with Taylor. He was 
starting a tour of India, Nepal, and Bhutan. And the morning we were to catch the flight, my natural hearing in my other ear just didn't work. But we drove to the airport. So Taylor gave me a blessing and we continued to fly to India, hoping that something would change. But by the time we had arrived there, nothing had changed. And um, somehow, even though we thought we had the converter right, when I plugged in my recharger for my cochlear, it fried. So I had one ear that wasn't hearing and one ear that had limited battery charge left. So I turned around and flew home. Yeah, you had eight hours of battery charge. And I also remember this really good man from India, this ophthalmologist who stayed up till midnight waiting for us to get to his office just so we could check to see. And he was just so kind and so thoughtful. I don't even think he even charged us. And just remember at three o'clock in the morning, we realized you'll need to head home without hearing all the way back to the United States, hoping that maybe some doctor in the United States might be able to help reverse this hearing loss. It was, it was frankly a very discouraging, very scary moment. He was an audiologist, not an ophthalmologist, but yes, Taylor has all the other details right. So I arrived home and I asked my brother-in-law to give me yet another blessing. And he gave me the most beautiful blessing. After he and my sister left, I kneeled down on my knees and just pled with the Lord, weeping. Um, I was so afraid because my cochlear gave me comprehension, but the quality was a little strange still after three years of having it, and the other ear wasn't hearing anything. And I wept. I said, will I ever hear my son become a teenager and his voice change and be deeper? Will I hear my daughter go to the temple with the man that she loves? Will I hear the voices of my grandchildren? I was so fearful not to have any kind of sound quality that would be natural. And I pled with the Lord and I had a sure witness of the Lord's love for me. I had a sure witness of his power to heal all wounds, to fill up my gaps. And I knew that I would have ultimate healing. That didn't mean that, you know, there at the moment I regained all my natural hearing, but I knew that ultimate healing was sure. I knew that the resurrection was sure. This experience came in the middle of President Nelson's um, challenge that we read the Book of Mormon. And I knew at that moment that the Book of Mormon was true and that one of the greatest truths that it taught was that the Lord keeps his promises. So I knew that what I was learning and feeling in that moment that he would keep those promises that he was giving unto me. Um, I also knew that I needed to testify of this. And so I testify to you that the resurrection is sure, that God's love for every one of us for you is sure. And the Book of Mormon gives us that strength. 
and then it promises that the Lord will keep his, his, his word unto us. Um, I want to bear that testimony to you and say those words in the name of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is a really powerful testimony, Lisa. We've known each other now for several decades, and I've always known you as somebody who is faithful, who loves God, who wants to bring good to the world. And I was gone for three weeks. You were at home suffering with this hearing loss, which eventually you lost all of your hearing. You didn't get the answer you wanted, and you had to get a, another cochlear implant. But I remember coming home, and I had been worried about you for these three weeks, hadn't been able to interact much with you, wondering how is she doing. And I get back, and there had been this transformed moment. I, I mean, I was actually in some ways shocked because I, I, I couldn't imagine, how can my wife get any better than she is? She's already amazing. It's almost like you had been upgraded and up-leveled in your life. I came home, and instead of just the chaos of the suffering, you'd had this, probably what was maybe the, the most powerful witness you had ever received of the reality of the love of Jesus Christ, that the resurrection is real, that the Book of Mormon is a witness of Jesus Christ. I remember coming home just basking in your just expanded love and testimony in the face of suffering that was still ongoing, that had not been resolved. And it's almost like it didn't exist because you had just been wrapped up in the totality of God's love, that healing will come. It's very, very powerful. So we share these things with you because all of us suffer, sometimes more, sometimes less. Easter is a time to remember we should be oriented east towards the rising sun, a symbol that every day Jesus will heal us. Every day the sun reminds us that order and peace is possible, that God is in his heavens, the temple, he is there. The world doesn't need to be at war. When God is in his temple, things are at peace. So no matter the chaos or the disorder or the lack of healing in your life, we invite you, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it thee? Can we see him in our lives and let his divine presence seep into the cracks and the brokenness and fill our souls to the brim to overflowing where we know and we can taste the sweetness of the atonement and have the hope in the ultimate resurrection that he has promised to all. And we leave these things with you in the, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Know that you are loved and spread light and goodness. Thank you.